You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Whether you enjoy it or you see it as a chore, regular lawn mowing is a part of life for many Australians. And loads of people outsource their mowing, which has formed the backbone of a thriving landscape maintenance industry. But is it realistic to expect things to stay the same forever, or do we need to be prepared for new tech in the space? In this episode, Phil Esterman, who's a robotics and digital solutions product manager at Husqvarna, speaks with us about automated mowers which are able to keep turf mode immaculately without the need for somebody physically operating a mowing machine. Welcome to the show, Phil. Thank you, Daniel. So we're going to have a link in the show notes for people to shop automated mowers, but can you please describe what these machines look like? They're smaller style machines, and they consist of four wheels, typically two rear wheels, which are driven by electric motors, and the two front wheels are just sitting on on caster mowers. So if you imagine a conventional mower, but without the engine on top and without the handles, it looks very similar to that with just a top cover on, on it. Right. So how safe are these machines? That's a question that we get asked quite often. They, they, they are extremely safe, particularly when compared with conventional mowers, be it walk-behinds or be it ride-on mowers. In terms of safety, generally, they've got alarm settings on them. So if, for example, they, they are lifted, an alarm will go off the end user will receive a notification on their app and then the cutting disc will cut out within two seconds. So that, that's really the first safety aspect that's looked into. When you compare that with a conventional mower, you look at, you know, you're cutting and you're getting flying debris, sticks, rocks, etc. So it can cause a bit of damage. And we have had cases where with ride-on mowers, the ride-on mowers on a slope have tipped over and there's been a, an actual death caused by that. So you're not likely to get that sort of situation with a robotic mower. So that's if the machine rolls over. What about if there's a child on the golf green or something like that? Well, the the cutting disc itself is located in the centre of the machine. So it's very unlikely, particularly with a child, to be able to get their fingers underneath the machine in order for them to, to receive some sort of cut from that. So. As I said, we have had very, well, no incidences uh, at all in terms of injury caused by these particular machines. Wow. Can you tell me a little bit about how they are able to detect obstacles? Oh, sure. So generally with robotic mowers, what we need to do is put a perimeter wire in the ground. In larger installations, we would typically use a cable laying machine that will dig a trench and drop the cable in for us. And that, that defines the mowing area. So the mower will get up to the edge of the boundary wire. The sensors will detect the signal in that cable. And then as a result, it will just back up 30 centimetres and go off into a different direction. Outside of that area, we have the option to either use the machine's collision sensors. So if there's a, a garden or a rockery or a tree, and the machine has collision sensors, so it will move forward towards that tree. And in some models, we'll have ultrasonic sensors. So it'll detect that there's an object there and actually slow down the wheel motors to minimize the impact on that tree or, or rockery. Another option that we have is then to also create an island 
So if, again, there's a rockery or a tree, can then run that perimeter cable around that so that acts as a natural boundary around that area as well. Fantastic. And look, I've been a zero-turn operator, and sometimes your heart sort of skips a beat when you see a steep slope. How do automated mowers go on steep slopes? Sure. We have a number of uh, different models available that will handle different slopes. So the entry-level model will handle a slope of 22 degrees. Traditional mower will handle a slope of 24 degrees. Uh, And then we introduced probably about 12 months or so, 18 months or so ago, models that will handle an incline of up to 35 degrees. And that's quite a steep incline. You'd be quite surprised what an incline that is. And we've equipped all of our dealers and, and also all of our own staff with an app on a phone. So when they go and do a site inspection to see determine the suitability of the property for a robotic mower, uh, one of the things they will do is use that app on their phone to determine um, the level of the slope. And it's a mulch mowing system, is that right? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, we get asked a lot from people. We've done a lot of shows at uh, shopping centres and, and different trade shows, Sydney Home Show, etc. And a lot of people ask us, what, what, what does it do with the clippings? <laughs> so at, at the end of the day, the way a robotic mower works, and uh, a lot of people have difficulty, I think, understanding the concept because in, in Australia, we've been conditioned for over 100 years now to let the grass grow. And then when we need to mow, we, we put it on the lowest setting possible, uh, mow it as low as we can so we don't have to do it again for a few weeks. With, with a robotic mower, um, it's always out on the lawn. So it's, low, it's mowing fully autonomously. So it mows for a period of time, then goes back to the charging station, recharges, and then automatically comes back out and continues to mow. And so what it really does is actually maintain the lawn at an even height, so the lawn actually never gets out of control. And it just only ever cuts the the top of the grass off, so just the, the very top part of one grass leaf, and that grass leaf then gets mulched back into the lawn and acts as a natural fertiliser. And over time, which is probably maybe four to six weeks, you'll find your lawn actually, because of all those extra nutrients, comes up much lusher and greener than mm. it would with a conventional mower using a catcher. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you're not going to have those clippings sitting on top. Yeah, correct. That's exactly right. In fact, you don't have to worry about the clippings at all. Yeah. So what sizes do these machines come in? Yeah, that, that's another great question. It's about capacity, their ability to, to mow a certain area within a given period of time. So our entry-level machine will handle up to 600 square metres. That's 600 square metres of lawn, not just a property size. Then we go into 1,000 square metres, 1,500 square metres, right up to 5,000 square metres, plus or minus 20%. So we've had some customers that have got two and a half acres, for example, uh, and they've put two of these machines side by side to maintain their lawns right throughout right throughout the year. So the, the the size of the mower is more to do with the square metre size of the lawn that has to be mowed. And the important thing is to ensure that the mower has sufficient time out on the lawn to cover all areas. So we've already kind of covered this with how regularly do you need to mow, but I wanted to kind of put it in with the question before. So... No, that's fine. That's, a, that's also something that comes up quite often, um, Daniel. Well, when we say 5,000 square metres, uh, that's really over a 24-hour period. So if the block is, in fact, 5,000 square metres, we need to program the mower to, to go 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that includes the mowing time out on the lawn, plus then the charging recharging time. 
back at the charging station. So the mower, for example, my mow for 280 minutes, then after that period, come back, find its way back to the charging station, dock, recharge for 100 minutes, and then go back out auto- automatically, and then continue to mow. So, so it depends on the block. We've done a, a number of installations where uh, the block size has been uh, 5,000 square metres, but the customers only wanted mowing at night, not during the day. So we've put two machines in and, and programmed them to just run 12 hours, mm. for example. So they're obviously very quiet then. Yes, yes. You can mow at night and that, that's one of the advantages. I have mine, my one here at home uh, and I love nothing more than to hear all the neighbours trying to start their <laughs> mowers on a Saturday morning and I'm having a quiet cup of coffee and I've already mowed the lawn overnight. <laughs> So they're generally around about 59 dB, which is below council noise pollution regulations. Right. And are you just sort of brush cutting then? That's all you have to do? Yeah. Uh, again, that, that's something that comes up. People have to appreciate that it is an auto mower, mm. not an auto trimmer. Yeah. So there is a certain amount of trimming to be done, but that really, you know, that's, that's probably a fifth of the work that's required when you're going out on the lawn. So it's really no no big effort to whiz around and, and just tidy up the edges. And our listeners can go and listen to episode eight of this podcast all about brush cutting. That's called Mow Like a Pro Part One Dash Whipping. So if you're having any problem with the whippersnipping, it's probably because you're using the wrong technique. A lot of it will also depend on the type of uh, trimmer that you have as well. Uh, when when we're talking to customers, you know, do you use a curved shaft trimmer? Do you use a, a straight mm. shaft trimmer? Uh, it all depends on the application, what sort of thick cord um, should you have, and so on. So a lot of questions um, come into that. But a trimmer is designed for a particular application, and so there is application for curved shaft trimmers, but there's also applications for straight shaft trimmers, and there's also applications for brush cutters as well, which is a, a different kettle of fish altogether. Mm. Yeah, so I guess you'd you'd say a brush cutter would be a higher-powered machine rather than a whippersnipper, which might be just something that you use in a backyard. Would you make that distinction? Yeah, look, I, I often ask uh, a lot of people, uh, the main difference with a, with a brush cutter is you've got the bull handles. Generally, you need to use a harness with it. And uh, essentially, when you've got that combination, you end up with a much wider arc uh, as you're swinging it from left to right. Your arc is quite big, maybe 180 degrees. And so you're actually powering through a, a lot more trimming than you would with, let's say, a curve shaft trimmer. Mm. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the curve shaft. I just can't get my head around how to use them. It just feels wonky. Yeah, with, with curve shaft, they're actually designed, and, and you look at the way the curve shaft is, and when you're holding it, you've got to stand close to the engine, and you've got to, your body's actually sort of hanging over the top of it. Mm. And that's really designed for precision work where you're going along rockeries or garden paths and edging. Right. Um, you can get down down close. And then you'll, you'll again notice the arc isn't that wide to swing. Mm. It's not really designed for that. It's designed much more for precision work. Right. Well, there you go. Very interesting. Thanks, Phil. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess when you're talking about this, the regularity that these things are mowing, so you're saying a lot of the time they're running 12 hours a day or they're running 24 hours a day. And so it's literally just that the grass is never really getting a break long enough to actually get up to that one-third cutting mark that we're all used to cutting at. Yeah, correct. I mean, that's the whole whole concept of it is that the grass will never get above the, the desired cutting height. Mm. And again, depending on the, on the model, if we look at, let's say, a top-of-the-line model, you can actually has an app on a phone and you can access that app and change the cutting height. 
electronically and through the, the cellular network, the mower will receive a message to say, okay, cutting height has changed, so I'll recalibrate to the new cutting height. And that, that's really beneficial when you're looking at the different seasons. So for somewhere like now, we, we're going into spring, so you probably want to mow a lower and more often than you might want to in the winter. So it's a very easy adjustment to do via the app on the phone. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. So how long do you reckon that the batteries last between needing to be replaced? Yeah, this is an, uh, another good uh, question that we get asked a, a lot. The lithium-ion batteries, so with lithium-ion batteries, it's not so much the the length of time in, in terms of years, but it's about recharge cycles. So in other words, when it docks and it charges, that's one recharge cycle. So with robotic mowers, they, they can handle about 4,000 recharge cycles. And generally, for your average residential property, this would take maybe four or five years. Right. Yeah, and I think on that note, we should realise that with Husqvarna Robotic Mowers, we are offering a five-year warranty, and that includes the replacement of the batteries as well, if needed. Right, there you go. Good to keep in mind. So I guess it sounds like from what we're talking about, these are really meant for, you know, you have a machine set up for each property. It's not like we're going to have contractors out there carrying these things around and doing multiple properties per day with them. I think that's where there will be a big change in the industry coming. Right. It just depends how soon that will be. If you think from a contractor's point of view, it's fairly low-skilled low work to have somebody behind a mower pushing or sitting on that mower going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So that, that's one, one issue that they have. A second issue is for them trying to find a staff in the, in the peak periods. So really, with robotic mowers, when I'm a landscape contractor, it's really about thinking, how can I automate my operations and still generate the same level of revenue? And so if we think about it, I'm a, I'm a landscape contractor, I could put 10, 20, 50, 100 of these machines out to my client base, all mowing lawns, and all I really need to do, I'm still charging the same because I'm still providing the service, but I just need to go around, do the trimming, the hedge trimming, pruning, etc. So it really allows a savvy contractor, really allows them to build their client base because at the moment they're quite limited because it's very labor intensive to just how many properties they can maintain in a given day. With a robotic mower and automating that, there's really no limit to how many properties they can maintain or clients they can take on. And then they're sort of working also on a higher level of the work. Maybe they can learn a little bit more about different horticultural services that they can offer to their clients. Oh, that's exactly right. I mean, they can also diversify into things like window cleaning, for example, pool maintenance, uh, because at the end of the day, just sitting on a mower going back and forth, back and forth is, is not bringing much value. And so by automating that, it does free up their ability to diversify a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Look, this is how I got into the industry. I got into the industry as a mowing person. But at the end of the day, I mean, we, we, we can't be asleep at the wheel and not know how the industry is going. I think that this is going to be a huge disruptive factor in the industry. So I think the earlier we can get clued into this, the better we're off. So maybe somebody who's a mowing person who's working for somebody can actually think about putting some money aside, saving up and buying some automated mowers of their own when sort of the tech advances or whatever, and then sort of break away and do something for themselves. Like it's an opportunity. Yeah, we've got a few leading edge contractors that have done that. 
Instead, in, in, traditionally, they would actually go and, and use a zero turn and, and, and mow that property, for example. But they've actually gone in and sold a robotic mower to that customer. So they've made some, some commission. And then, of course, it frees up their time to go and do the higher level and higher skill jobs, plus expand their customer base as well. Right. Can you tell me a little bit more about that commission? Well, there's a special agreement that can be discussed that will enable a contractor, if, if you know they're suitable enough, to be able to take on the, the sale of the product. Right. So this is we're talking about maybe domestic properties that people are doing, or I imagine council tenders is a huge opportunity. Councils are a, a little bit different kettle of fish. They're quite unique in, in their requirements. I mean, all commercial applications are very drawn to the, the low noise, no emissions story. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, the safety aspect uh, of that. So, however, with, with councils, we've been quite successful in, in getting robotic mowers in areas where they can't get their traditional mowers in. So things like swim centres, very difficult for them to, to wheel a zero turn into a swim centre and start mowing around that area. So that, that's a, an ideal position for a robotic mower mm. uh, to go in. So there are, as I said, the robotic mower might not necessarily be for every application, and that's why we need to do quite effective site planning to determine the suitability of the machine. But it can do most properties, but not all. And again, with councils, that's something, and all commercial properties, we've got to have a good look at and and determine the suitability of it. Right. So what regular maintenance need to be carried out on these machines? Another good question. There is a, a regular maintenance schedule, but I don't know that that many end users are following it. <laughs> <laughs> they should be replacing the mower blades every four to eight weeks uh, as a general rule. And I think this is an area for us to continue educating people going forward mm. to make sure that they do maintenance. They purchase a maintenance kit that's available and generally bring the machine in for a yearly maintenance. And in the yearly maintenance, it's about cleaning it up cleaning up ventilation filters, cleaning up bellows, running diagnostic tools, uploading firmware, cleaning, cleaning. It builds up a, a lot of grass, so a lot of cleaning is required. So there is definitely one yearly maintenance required, but then the homeowner can do some, some regular maintenance every few months. Right. So what about like moving parts with grease and stuff like that? Ah, it's almost all electronically. Uh, there's very few moving parts. <laughs> You've got some electric wheel motors. You've got an electric motor driving the cutting disc. You've got maybe some bearings for the front casters, and that's really about it. Fantastic. Mm. So are there any methods of use that should be avoided? Oh, actually, uh, again, it goes back to the, the site planning. Uh, we've had a couple of cases where, for example, we've gone to a golf course that wanted to put a robotic mower in. The location that they wanted to put it in just had far too many trees. They were already mowing with zero turns, and, and we could determine that they'd put a lot of branches up the, the side of the tree trunks. So this was an ongoing uh, issue with falling branches for them in that area. Mm-hmm. And so clearly a robotic mower... It's just going to get continually stuck on branches in, in that type of uh, dense environment. So that, that was one we, we suggested uh, it wasn't really suitable. Right. What will happen is two things. If the, the branch is small enough, the mower will just go over it and, and chop it up and, and just spit it out the side like a, a normal mower would. If the branch is big enough, then the collision sensors will kick in and it'll slow down and just tap into it and then reverse and go off in a different direction. But a lot of the branches, if they're sort of midway in between, the mower could tend to go over that and then get stuck. 
What if there's like a stone or something that, that goes up into the cutting bowl? Oh, that's not really likely to happen. Um, the mower will just go over that. Right. And if it's small enough, uh, the disc will just spit it out on, on the side. Okay. So we haven't had too many, uh, too many reports about getting stuck on stones. Right. It will, for example, if it goes up on the side of a fixed object like a, a paver or a tree stump or uh, had some, you know, the, the railway sleepers, the mower will, it is a mower, so the disc will continue to spin and, and you will damage the blades. <laughs> yeah. So another thing that I've had as a professional mowing person is a lot of the time we have grass butted up right against like some stones or even granitic sand or something like that, pebbles. What What's the go there? Is that going to spit out on the side or is that just going to not be a problem? Uh, again, in that case, depending on, on uh, is it like a, a perimeter or an island, we could island that off so the mower won't go up along there. Yeah, sometimes like you brush cut it. Some pe- it's a design fault, right? So it's a landscaping fault where mm. they butt the grass right up against some stones and it's a real pain and I- I've never, you know, you sort of brush cut around it sometimes or you've got to rake them off. Okay, so if it's on the boundary, we would just tend to put the boundary cable a little bit further away. Yeah. So that way there'll still be a little bit of trimming done, but the mower won't actually go into that area where the stones or stones are. So it's exactly the same as a normal push mower. We just got to get that rake out, spend a little bit of extra time, get those pebbles off the lawn. Yeah, correct. Fantastic. Phil, is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about? Oh, look, I think with your audience, one of the things going forward for them to to really think about how it is changing very rapidly, I guess to start with, it was announced today in the news that California is going to be banning petrol lawnmowers, leaf blowers, ride-on mowers, etc. So there is really a, a shift towards battery and robotics taking place worldwide, and it, it, it is going to happen here as well, I guess is the first thing for them to know. I really want them to think about how they can automate their business and, and work, work more effectively and efficiently by doing so. And also, too, we have another product which for them I think would be great interest called Hasfana Fleet Services, and this is a product that we can – it's a website that we can – add additional all our robotic mowers, so 10, 50, 100, and we can control them all from one single website. So I think that that has tremendous benefits for a contractor. If you're going into the season, you can just hit select all and change the cutting height on all 100 machines and then change the mowing schedule for all 100 machines at the one time. Take you less than a few minutes. I think it's also good for fleet services if the mower does uh, get stuck on a pre-branch, for example, you'll get a notification. You can see exactly where it's got stuck. And then you can actually offer a service to the customer. Would you like me to come out and clear the blockage? Which mm-hmm. going forward, I think is going to be very good monitoring type service for contractors because a lot of these are going into holiday homes, rental properties, etc. So have a look for the, the, the listeners, I guess. Take a look at Husqvarna Fleet Services and how the combination of having many mowers in the field and having a fleet that you can control from one location from the office is going to work for your your business going forward. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Phil. No, no, you're welcome, Daniel. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Check the show notes to shop automated mowers at Husqvarna or to get some help and guidance. If you're into turf, you'll find a range of episodes on the topic, including whipping, mowing, blowing, and a general lawn wisdom episode as well in our back catalogue.